This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. There's no ROI on TMI. That's why TD Ameritrade created a learning experience that will actually learn with you. Curated from their vast library of exclusive content, it customizes to fit your investing goals, interests, and needs, so you get exactly the information you need and none of the information you don't. Get started at tdameritrade.com education. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com education. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to keep you from losing too much money because my job, not just to entertain, educate, teach you, context, call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I got to be honest with you. We could be on the verge of a depression, not a recession, a depression if things don't go right. We just got the worst monthly employment report since 2009, 700,000 jobs lost. And that doesn't even cover the last two weeks where we had nearly 10 million jobless claims. The bad numbers are just beginning, which is why the averages got hit today. Dow losing 361 points, S&P sinking 1.51%, NASDAQ falling 1.53%. It could have been worse earlier in the day. It was bad. Now, this is going to be a brutal period, but if we handle things right, it will be a short depression. I would call it a decession or a repression, but the first sounds silly, and we don't want a repression. Can we have a mini depression? I mean, we're in uncharted waters. I hope so. Still, I think we're making some real progress on the economic front. Today, countless small businesses applied for hundreds of billions of dollars in loans that will allow them to stay open during the tough period. And the government will forgive the loans if you use that money to cover your payroll. Don't lay off your workers. I think it is a terrific program. Full disclosure, I applied for it myself for my two restaurants today. Banks all over the country are furiously trying to process these applications. You know what? They're gonna, look, they're going to be glitches. Nothing's perfect. Uh, but perfect here is the enemy of the good. And I celebrate this plan as the best it can be. And the community banks are signing up people in incredible numbers. I want to make this right here. Do you mind if I make this a grumble-free zone for a moment? Grumble-free about a plan that was done with incredible alacrity, too fast for banks, but fast enough to give hope to a beleaguered nation of workers and small businesses that are represented by 85% of the economy. Here's the problem. As much as I love that the government's basically keeping businesses on life support through the difficult period, at the end of the day, there are no customers. Is it worth it to maintain a business with no customers? Tough call. I'm going to try. Many of the smaller entrepreneurs might have to close because even with, uh, with government assistance, it's not worth trying to stay open. Or in my case, uh, I'm told, uh, you know, we're closed. They made us close. However, the program is generous enough that in most cases, it's worth taking the money. Trust me, it's a fantastic deal for small businesses. You should absolutely apply for one of these loans if you're watching and you're part of that. And you definitely want to go for the grant part. And if you have any desire to keep your company going until the pandemic's over and things go back to normal, well, you know what? Look into this. Go to the community bank. Go to the Bank of America. I just just this is going to take some intestinal fortitude and fortitude's in short supply. And this plan helps. I can't blame anyone for wanting to throw in the towel here with stocks. 
I mean, the truth is we're, we aren't testing enough people with this disease. We aren't obeying the stay-at-home orders as religiously as we should. We still don't have enough equipment at our hospitals. Worst of all, the virus is just terrifying. Until we get a vaccine or at least a drug that alleviates the worst symptoms, we can't truly beat this thing. So we need the government to keep the economy in suspended animation until there's a real solution. For the moment, the best we can hope is to line up another program on top of the $2.2 trillion rescue package Congress passed last week. I spoke to Speaker Nancy Pelosi this morning, maybe a trillion dollar safe and sound 30 year treasury bond set at 2 percent to crush covid money that could be spent literally paying people stay in your homes. Total month lockdown, lockdown, stay in your home. Here's some money. Each household will get a monthly script, maybe $1,500 worth if you qualify. The script comes in the form of a ticket. If you go outside for something non-essential and law enforcement catches you, they punch a hole in your ticket. Every hole that's punched, you get less money when you redeem the script at the end of the month. In the meantime, the government will pay your rent or your mortgage or your health insurance until the lockdown month is over. Is that too much to ask? That's how we'll win. We use that month to roll out testing sites everywhere. That's, then when the month is over, we're going to have the virus contained. I know this would be very expensive, but long term, I think it's going to be a lot cheaper to take that hit up front. Month long lockdown. Don't worry about your bills. Uncle Sam's got you covered. Then we can get back to a normal situation a lot sooner. That's my plan. And I'm pushing it. Grumble free zone. Without a national lockdown, which is, by the way, exactly what Dr. Fauci wants. And, you know, he's our hero. People people can afford to stay home. The virus will just keep spreading if you keep going out. People keep going out. With that in mind, let's go to the game plan for next week. Historically, it's a light week, ending with the market being closed on Good Friday. Monday is all about the COVID numbers, mainly the new new infections and, yes, new fatalities. We follow this Scott Gottlieb on Twitter. He gives you the best stuff. You'll know everything on Monday. We already know the numbers will be horrendous. I think these numbers will, uh, will color trading as we wait to hear about some bending of the curve. And that doesn't seem to be within reach anytime soon. Lots of people don't, still don't take it seriously. That attitude is starting to kill people. As long as the numbers are terrible, money will keep flowing out of the stock market. We're undergoing a wholesale revaluation of equities downward because business will doubtlessly be softer than anyone expects. The only good numbers will be the applications for the payroll protection program. So we want them to be so big that it overwhelms the program and Congress needs to appropriate even more money. Why is that good? Because it shows confidence. It would show us that businesses are willing to tough things out rather than just bailing as we head into a mini depression. Why even bother to own stocks if the economy is about to get incredibly ugly? Because this mini depression will end once we get a vaccine or a powerful antiviral. And once that happens, I'm betting on what we call a V recovery, okay? A V-shaped recovery. In situations like this, you don't know when you're going to get to this. So you buy on the way down. We already got this part done. You buy on the way down so you can capture the furious bull market of the V. That said, remember, I always recommend gradually because you don't know whether the V's right here and we're only right here. I can't tell you yet because this is about science. This is science. And I'm about stocks. Back to the game plan. Now, Levi Strauss reports on Tuesday. And Powell's right in the blaster. Earlier in the week, we listened to PVH CEO Manny Trico tell us a good story about Tommy Elfrey and Calvin Klein, but it didn't matter because the stores that carry his merchandise are all closed now. Levi's pretty much the same. I mean, it's I saw I saw Chipberg, the CEO at the Super Bowl, and I mean, the stock was double the price. Good, great company. Doesn't matter. Wednesday, we get mortgage applications. Home buying has been a real engine of the old economy. I'm betting these numbers collapse. 
How the heck are you supposed to buy a house if you actually can't visit the property? Yeah, I know virtual. The whole housing cohort's a house of pain right now. Get the virus contained. You're going to see a horrendous number. It's going to cause things to go down again. Thursday, we have a report that I never would have imagined would be controversial. WD-40. Yes, I'm talking about the reliable and beloved lubricant company. An alpha called Spruce Point put out a short report this week predicting a disappointing quarter. These short sellers believe the stock is ripe for a much lower valuation. Now, it is tough to own any stock these days, let alone one that's under assault by a sophisticated short seller with a very long brief. It's very negative. If you want to buy WD-40, let's wait to see what management says first. No, no need to court danger. Mercifully, on Friday, they got the day off. Maybe we can regroup. It's a treacherous time. I still anticipate the market will retest its lows from the beginning of last week, and we're not there yet. We're not there yet because of this. The bottom line, once again, I have to emphasize this is mainly a public health crisis that morphed into an economic crisis. The only way to get back to normal is by defeating its plague, which is why the government needs to go all out until it does. Let's go to Drew in Minnesota. Drew! Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Drew. I want to hear your thoughts on Twitter and with them being down. Oh, I read the Goldman upgrade today. I thought it made a lot of sense. I think the stock is cheap. However, let me just say, stocks are not going to bottom when we have this tremendous S&P selling every single day. So if you want to buy Twitter, you buy some now, you buy some under 20. Rick in Utah, Rick. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I currently own... Uh, some AT&T stock, and with AT&T dividend being over 7%, uh, it looks very attractive to add some more AT&T stock to my position. So my question is, do you think AT&T is going to be able to keep paying that dividend? Okay, so Moffitt Nathanson had a very negative report out today, and they're a very good firm. And I read the report, and it did say that the dividend could be in question. The company has has, uh, disagreed with that. But the fact that when I read that, it made me say, oh, my, are we reaching for yield? And I don't like to reach for yield. My charitable trust, you can follow along what we do by being a member of my club, the Kramer Club. We own Verizon. Safer. Let's go to Giovanni in Michigan. Giovanni! Hello, what's up, Jeff? This is my son, Giovanni. He's a young investor and has a question for you. Absolutely. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo, yo. One time. My, my wife don't want me. Hey, oh, just a second. Who's this, who's this young boy? We have his name? Oh, the boy's Giovanni. Giovanni. Oh, Giovanni. I thought the dad was Giovanni. All right, Giovanni, what do you got? My question for you, Jim, is with Tesla being delivery expectations and the stock going lower throughout the day, do you think the stock is a buy or sell in the market environment right well, now? Well, Giovanni's a young person, and I think a young person should bet with Elon Musk. And those numbers were good. By the way, the numbers come out immediately, and the bears say, listen, it's another idiot fiasco, blah, blah, blah. All I can tell you is I think the guy's real, Okay. And uh, we changed our mind and started liking it in the 300, goes to 900, goes back down. I'm a believer. I wouldn't leave her. Uh, I follow Mickey Dolan's, by the way. How about Giovanni? Isn't that great? Let's go to William in New York, please. William. Hey, booyah, Jim. Booyah, William. Hey, I just saw, I know you had Abbott Labs on a few days ago, but I have BioAmerica. It's been up and down the last few days. How do you feel about this company? 
It's no, one no, of the no. Only you, you don't put those in the same sentence. There we got the uh, Robert Ford now and a new CEO at Miles White. We had, don't put Abbott Labs in Biomarb. We're a buyer of Abbott Labs right here. It is too inexpensive. I like the stock. Yours is too speculative for me. Anyway, it's a treacherous time. We may be headed into I, I hate the any depression, a depression, but the depression will end. It ends because this is a biological problem. Not a financial one, but it's become a financial one. I'm everybody tonight with news that Corona beer is holding production because of the Corona virus. Wondering what's ahead for Constellation Brands? I've got the CEO. And by the way, they've got plenty of beer, so don't worry about it. And join me in one later tonight. Then, is it possible to find any stocks with no hair on them? I'm giving it my take. And looking for an under-the-radar play on the stay-at-home economy? I've got one for you, and I'll reveal it. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Investing isn't one size fits all. Every investor has a unique style. That's why TD Ameritrade offers two different mobile apps. There's TD Ameritrade Mobile, which lets you manage your portfolio with streamlined simplicity. Or Thinkorswim Mobile, which gives you tools you need for more advanced trades and in-depth analysis. Visit tdameritrade.com apps to find the one that's right for you. Once again, that's tdameritrade.com apps. Okay, how bad will the lockdown be for the alcohol business? Over the past six weeks, the group has been just hammered. Constellation Brands, the maker of Modelo, Pacifico, and the inaptly named Corona, along with a host of wine and liquor brands, has seen its stock plummet from 210 to 132. Now, some of that makes sense. In normal times, Constellation does brisk business supplying bars and restaurants, most of which are now closed. But at the same time, we've seen a massive surge in consumer alcohol sales because how else are you going to cope with this darn lockdown? So Wall Street was hoping for some enlightenment when Constellation reported this morning. The actual results were phenomenal. For the period ending in February, the company posted a monster 42-cent earnings beat off a $1.64 basis, much higher than expected sales, up 6% year-over-year. Beer business in particular did very well. However, management declined to provide forward guidance because we have no idea how long the lockdown will last. Without clarity in the future, the stock got hit in the morning, but later rallied in the afternoon after the conference call was completed and uh, managed to end positive in a really bad day. I think we need more context here. So let's check in with Bill Newlands, the terrific president and CEO of Constellation Brands, find out more about the quarter and how his company's holding up in a coronavirus world. Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you. Good to be here, Jim. All right, Bill, I got to tell you, I read through the quarter, and the quarter was downright remarkable. And what was really incredible to me was there were a lot of people who said, you know what, the beer story's over. I'm starting to believe that the beer story is just beginning because the times are tough. I think that's accurate. You know, one of the things you always see in tough times and recessionary times is people buy the brands that they trust. And when you think about Modelo and Corona and The Prisoner and Naomi and Kim Crawford, we have a lot of brands people trust, and that's what they go to in, in tough times like this. Can you explain for people uh, what happens in terms of at-home 
versus bars and restaurants that are closed? Uh, because it seems to me that people drink beer wherever they are. Right. You see a lot of channel shift and you, you see this in, in many recessionary environments. Now, this one, admittedly, is a bit uncharted because one piece is really closed, which is the on-premise, as you know. But it, you do see channel shifting and you see people buying more and you see them consuming it at home. And given that 85 to 90 percent of our business across all three sectors is done in the off-premise, it really works to our advantage to some degree. Do you, uh, you don't have to tell you, but when I was going over the quarter, if it had not been for this uh, tweet about essential, non-essential, I think the stock would have been up 10 points, maybe even 15, on a really bad day for the market. So can you just explain what it matters, deemed non-essential versus essential, and the fact that you've got enough beer on hand that we shouldn't even be thinking about this yet? No, you shouldn't be, because we have over 70 days on hand between our DCs and, and our distributors. And as you know, in this country and in Canada and likely in Mexico, you see certain things deemed essential. In this country, alcohol beverage is deemed essential. And so the the opportunity to continue to sell and to meet consumer demand is there. And we have the supply to do it. Now, uh, two exciting things. We, we now got the spike seltzer. How's that going? You have a little read? Oh, yeah, it's off to a great start. We already have ACV approaching 50 percent in the first month. Which, given there were some challenges at retail this month, right. we're pretty happy right. with that. Velocity is going very well. It's improving week to week. Uh, we're very excited about the success of Seltzer so far. And then the other, uh, your canopy drink. Well, I guess we can't get that here, right? And the edibles. But the edibles and the, and the drinks, how are they selling? Because it looks like you were exactly what we thought, the last man standing. Nobody else really has any money in that business except for you now. Right. We're well capitalized at Canopy. And I got to tell you, I was up there six weeks ago and we tasted through the beverages and I think they're game changers. They were outstanding. And having been in this business a fair amount of time, I think I have a reasonable palate and uh, they're superb. And I think they're really going to make a big difference for for Canopy going forward. Okay, just enlighten us on this, because I think that I was always worried, well, what's the proof? How many can you have? What's it like? Do people drink it at home? Because I'm worried that, frankly, I don't know how much it would take. Do I do five and and I'm buzzed? Or how does it work? Well, this is where brands are going to matter. And this is why the work that we're doing is all around the branding, because people want to have trust. It's the same thing I said a minute ago about Modelo and Corona is people trust those brands and they're going to want to have trust in brands that they consume in the cannabis space as well. And I think that's one of the main things that Canopy is going to bring is that capability and that bankroll to be able to talk to consumers about why these are exceptional beverages and why you can get a consistent experience time after time. You got a new CEO there. He's a person we all know. He's a business person. How is he making that into a real business now? He's bringing focus and discipline, which admittedly was one of the real things that was required there. So we're very pleased with what he's done so far. He's focused on getting Canada to profitability. He's, he's focused on getting to cash flow positive. Uh, and we couldn't be happier with the, with the start that David's had there. And as you said, he's an excellent business person. 
And we think that that's going to he's going to be a great leader for that business going forward. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is Dave Klein. He used to be the CFO of Canopy and uh, someone I got to know very well. And he's a fantastic business person, which is what that industry needs. Don't have a lot of them. now here. Just a, a couple things. Modelo Especial uh, out of nowhere. Number four brand. It is. And you think about uh, places like California. It is bigger than the next two premium domestic light brands combined. It's, it's a huge brand in, in many critical markets. It's number one in Chicago. It's number one in the state of Nevada. Uh, this brand is just scratching the surface, uh, considering that it is the number four brand overall in, this, in the uh, United States. And then Corona uh, Premier out of nowhere. Uh, second year, we were up 19%. It's done extremely well again. And it really meets that betterment uh, proposition that a lot of consumers are engaged with today. You think about it, it's low, low carb, low cal. Um, this, this is what people are looking for. And, and it fits in a perfect niche with a brand that they trust in Corona. And uh, debt pay down of uh, $1.4 billion for fiscal year 20. Uh, still given, uh, you be able to pay down a lot of it. The flat cash flow is still great, right? Cash flow, we had our best year ever in cash flow. As you know, when you play in the premium end of the business, you're playing in the growth end, plus you're playing in the higher margin end, right. which gives right. us a great cash flow and allows us to pay down our debt. Hey, let me ask some, a last question, but why do companies have to give guidance? There's no way you know what's going to happen. You've got, you know, you got your business, you put your nose to the grindstone, grindstone and then well, why do we have to focus on, on some forecast when it may be depending on some doctor who solves a problem here? That's right. When, when you look at our march, our march has been superb, but some of that's obviously pa- pantry loading, and you really don't know where it's going right. to land. Uh, it, it, we viewed it as risky to say too much because we study this very carefully. We know what happens in recessions, but it's, it's uncharted waters. And we felt that rather than giving something that we had less than perfect confidence in, uh, we'd be better off giving guidance later when we had a much better understanding of how things were going to work out. Well, look, I appreciate you coming on. I wish it hadn't been such a bad day, this stupid tweet, because what matters to me is that you are building the base for a recession stock. It's, well, we're it's, recession resistant. You and, sure uh, are. That's good, for our, that's good for our category. All right. Great to see you, sir. That's Bill Newell's president. Stay safe. Yep. President and CEO of Constellation Brands, STZ. It's what you buy when you're going into a recession. Their money's back in This CNBC podcast is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. In unprecedented times, access to the right information can help you make better informed investing decisions. That's why TD Ameritrade is committed to providing a range of relevant educational content, like timely articles, informative webcasts, and access to daily live market news, so you can stay on the path to becoming a smarter investor. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash market hub. TD Ameritrade, where smart investors get smarter. getting harder and harder to find stocks with no hair on them. When a stock has hair on it, it's not like this. It's like finding a hair in your soup. Something's very wrong. You didn't anticipate. I don't mean the obvious losers. I mean, if you put an ailing retailer or a smashed restaurant stock in Cap or a Macy's, a Brinker, you knew what you're getting into. Sorry. No. I'm talking about stores like Johnson & Johnson. 
That's a classic recession stock and a longtime Kramer fave. J&J is the best pipeline in the industry, not to mention one of the few AAA balance sheets on Earth. This is exactly the kind of stock that should work during a slowdown, except not this time. See, this time there's some hair on it. J&J has a division that sells knee replacements, and with every hospital bed taken up by coronavirus patients, you need to hold off on that kind of surgery. With the stock down 20 bucks from the high, I think the negatives are baked in here. Uh, we aren't for the trust. Uh, you know what? We're actually anxious to buy more. But there's always some big shareholder out there who hasn't even heard yet that they have something involved with knees and elective surgery. And they're eager to write off J&J as a bad business because of the subpar orders and replacements. Same thing happened with Coca-Cola. Now, I've always felt, always, this was the ultimate recession-proof stock until an analyst recently pointed out that Coca-Cola's bottlers may need some support here. And that could put a real dent in their earnings. Again, we should be used to this by now, but there's always someone who doesn't seem to know this stock still sells at 21 times earnings. And that's certainly a high multiple for a company that might have an open-ended spending problem. I ran into the same problem with one of my faves called Abvi. Uh, we own it for the Chapel Trust. You can follow along by joining the ActionLordsPlus.com club. It's got a fantastic dividend. Abvi's acquiring Allergan. Remember them? And they're doing mainly for its Botox franchise. And that's a great business long term. But right now, doctors are loath to do non-essential procedures, which definitely includes, yes, indeed, cosmetic surgery and Botox. Sadly, we're all just going to have to live with the wrinkles in our crow's feet for the duration. Now, there are worse hardships, but it's putting a wrinkle in AbbVie's numbers. Oh, how about the switch rule in United Technologies? The, the big uh, breakup uh, and then slash merger with Raytheon that came uh, that finished today. Greg Hayes on uh, Squawk on the Street this morning. Ever since the initial coronavirus outbreak in China, United Technologies' Otis Elevator division has been an albatross around its neck. That's why we've been reluctant to buy the stock for the trust. Now, though, United Technologies and Raytheon have merged, giving you a premium aerospace and defense contractor. Unfortunately, that's not as great as it used to be because aerospace has got tons of hair on it. It's got a bear market now. As for carrier, the heating, ventilation, air conditioning business that have been so red hot when there's a lot of construction, well, there's not a lot of construction in the year of COVID. Suddenly, which is the good one? Otis. Otis is the one division I really like because it's so focused on China. And now that China's beaten COVID, they've got the strongest economy in the world. Save maybe Taiwan. It's insane. Finally, there's the recession-proof stock that I, you know I think the world of, and I'm talking about McCormick. Yes, the spice and seasonings maker. They're thriving here with so many people cooking at home. And by the way, remember, the people staying at home doing their work. However, McCormick also gets about a quarter of its sales from food service and food supply. Yeah, they give it to restaurants. You've seen their stuff. And that division is basically closed for business. Fortunately, the stay-at-home story is so fabulous for the consumer business that it more than makes up for the commercial weakness. And that's why McCormick's a terrific story. The only problem? There's always some schmo who doesn't know about the commercial exposure, which is why the stock got clobbered when it reported. Now, though, I think McCormick's been immunized against those worries. If you don't know already, I think in one of these downdrafts, you know we're going to get next week, I'd be a buyer. How about we go to David in New Jersey? David! Hey, Jim. Booyah from Point Pleasant down the Jersey Shore. Oh, man. I, I miss Point Pleasant. Yeah, well, they closed the beaches anyway. I, can't I even know. Walk my there now. Yeah, I want to go down to Ocean Grove with my daughter, but I can't see my daughter because we're all under lockdown separately from each other. This is crazy. Yeah, well, maybe I'll have some time to uh, <clears throat> read a couple of your books that I have on the shelf now. Anyway. I think that. Thank you, sir. So what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm looking for uh, some accidental high yielders, 
And uh, I came across uh, Walgreens, WBA. They have mm-hmm. a pretty good uh, um, dividend. They got a pretty good earnings report. And uh, I'm, they're, they're trading at uh, year lows. I'm wondering if that's pretty good. Well, for me David, to I'm going to save you some trouble. Maybe I'm going to save you some trouble just in case I ever see you. Jenkins is down there in Point Pleasant. Here's the problem. They had a really bad last half of the quarter, and I think they're, they're flagging that the next quarter is going to be bad. People aren't going to the stores. I want you to stay away from Walgreens. They're, if you want yield, that is not the way I want to get it, WBA. But thank you for the kind words and buying the books. Robert in California. Robert. Booyah, Kramer. Rock my life. My question is, as we go as we know, lots of people are working on the COVID vaccines and treatments, including companies like Gilead, Regeneron, and Abbott Labs. My question is, how much is already priced into some of these names, and which one would be the better trade? Well, I, I will also- tell you, I will tell you that I'm hearing pretty good things anecdotally about Gilead, hearing better things about Regeneron. Abbott already is fantastic because of the test, although you know they've got to ramp that test up more than just fifty thousand. The Gilead has moved up. And Regeneron was the best performing stock in the S&P. But you know what? Uh, I will still endorse Gilead. I think that there's going to be good news. Not the great. You know, it's not going to knock out the thing, but some good news. Gary in Texas. Gary. Hey, Jim. Uh, like everybody, I was a little unnerved by this uh, viral earthquake. But I was, uh, I was hanging in there. But um, I'm afraid it's going to be followed by an economic tsunami. So I ended up liquidating everything, at least Did by you? mad money. Okay. I had it all on Shopify, which I love. Thanks to you, I picked it up at 176 oh, uh, 15 months ago and, and just sold over 400 But anyway, I'm anxious to get back in, but I still foresee more bad news than good news in the near future. I mean, think, you know, someone famous is going to die or, unfortunately, the death rate's going to hit 10,000 or 20,000. And so my question to you is I know you're going to tell me to uh, – when I get back in to do it in stages, but the uh, tip I want is when to look for the first stage to start getting back. Okay, in it's, it's a great question, and here's the issue. And you know I do like Shopify so much, and I was telling people yesterday when in the midst of a big sell two days ago when they pulled their guidance, this is ridiculous. You want to buy it, but the stock is only down ten percent share. It's at forty-one billion dollars in market cap. We started liking it at twenty billion in market cap. How about we split the difference? And when it gets to thirty billion, we pound the table. But if you were to buy some on the when we're going to be down next week, yes, and it's right. I do like to build it in a pyramid fashion. I would get started. Shopify is one of the greatest companies on earth. It was a big hit for us for my Chapel trust. All right, it's getting harder to find stocks with no hair on them. Uh, but those are these are a few that you can consider buying. And I think they're going to work. And remember, with Raytheon Technologies, really, it's, it's the Otis division that is now independent that I like. Watch your room have money ahead, including my exclusive with, with a, a, a company flying under the radar in the new stay-at-home reality. I'll reveal the name. Then, as one of the first communities to experience the devastation of the coronavirus, Seattle seems to be emerging as one of the first localities to offer a plan. I've got the exclusive of the man who's working to figure out what's needed most in the Emerald City. And all your costs, rapid fire, tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Here's a question. We know to avoid the obvious losers from the shelter-in-place economy, and, and we know to stick with the obvious winners. 
the companies that make more money when we're in lockdown. But what about the companies in the middle? Take Zebra Technologies, a leading player in the enterprise asset intelligence space, which creates end-to-end solutions to allow its customers uh, to keep track of people, equipment, and data. On one hand, Zebra's an important cog in the logistics machine. So, in theory, they should benefit from the explosion of e-commerce that makes the stay-at-home economy possible. If retailers can only operate online, this would be a great time to upgrade their infrastructure. On the other hand, Zebra's also got a lot of exposure to fleet management. And in this environment, many of those cars and trucks may remain Part. They also have manufacturing exposure, so if plants close, that's also bad for business. But here's the thing. Zebra stock has already plunged from $252 to $178 as of today. At these levels, i got to wonder if maybe the negatives are starting to get priced in. Let's take a closer look with Anders Gustafsson. He's the CEO of Zebra Technologies to get a better read on how his company's holding up and how the current crisis could change the way we manage our supply chains. Anders, welcome back to Man Money. Thank you. How are you? Well, I don't know, man. I'm kind of glad it's the end of the week. I'll tell you that much. So, Anders, let's get right to it. If I am a gigantic e-commerce company, uh, I know that a lot of my stores are closed, but I am crushing in e-commerce. I've got huge warehouses. I got to figure out where everything goes. I got to time it right. I got to get UPS in there. I got to get the post office in there. What does Zebra Technologies do for me to make it work? Well, first, you know, we, we supply or support uh, many of the companies that are providing essential services to uh, the economy today. So that could be e-commerce players uh, and you know, regular brick-and-mortar brick retailers that have uh, seen their e-commerce or omni-channel businesses improve. So if you, I would say the biggest um, change in buying behaviors from a retail perspective, I think, has been around grocery, where you know, there's been... Um, a lot of reporting around how grocery uh, volumes are up quite a bit, but the way people have been uh, buying those groceries have changed quite dramatically, where people are buying you know, by going buying online, picking up in store, picking up at curbside. As, uh, that's, that has grown exponentially, I'd say. So where are you at playing that? I think people don't understand that the right box, the right thing comes to you because of Zebra. Yeah, no, we help, uh, you know, retailers, say brick and mortar retailers, make sure that their supply chain uh, or their, their uh, merchandise can, can be stocked, that their supply chains keep flowing and their stock, their shelves are stocked, as well as making sure that they can scale these uh, new omni-channel buying behaviors uh, properly. Well, I am so glad you're on because I've got to tell you, one of the things that's happened in this uh, pandemic is we have discovered that we don't know where anything is when it comes to health care, whether it be the ventilators, whether it be the PPE, this protective gear. If you were made SAR of the PPP, PPE logistics, what are the actions you would immediately take to get a better handle on the global PPE supply chain? Well, first, I'm confident I won't be made SAR of the PPE world. Uh, if that were to happen, we would be in, in trouble. Um, second, I'd say, though, that we all, you know, have deep appreciation for all the people on the front line who are truly helping ensure that uh, you know, the world continues to operate in some, for, some form and that we have some level of normalcy in our lives here. You know, Zebra, we're, we're not a transportation logistics company, but we provide solutions that enable logistics or frontline employees uh, in logistics companies to operate more efficiently, you know, in distributing PPE equipment, as an example, or any other kind of merchandise or goods. Uh, so we, we help uh, TNL, you know, t- transportation logistics companies get much better visibility into 
what PPE the equipment they have uh, or, or any other kind of uh, inventory they might have. Uh, we help them locate it, and we do this in real time, and we also help them orchestrate the workflows uh, and, and the, uh, how the goods flow through their supply chains. Now, uh, and we help them do this at scale. Now, I, I, you know, I've been a huge uh, fan of the company for a long time, but some of the analysts were unhappy. You got this gigantic post office contract. And I know who lost it. It was painful. Um, and it, there were some people who said it was delayed. And because it's delayed, they don't really like your stock as much as they used to. Is it possible that the, maybe it could pull forward and happen sooner? Because uh, I, I think these people who are naysayers were just a little let down that this uh, USPS thing didn't occur instantly. So first, we won a number of the, the largest postal systems worldwide, and the USPS has been our largest uh, con- contract to date ever for the company. So we are very excited about the new and ex- or the expanded relationship we have with USPS and how we can help them optimize package delivery and execution across their letter carrier networks. The, um, the rollout is really you know, determined by USPS, and uh, uh, the, the End gate today is around 3G servers. You know, they have to have all their new devices uh, deployed before 3G service is taken down, which is expected to happen by the end of next year. So, oh. you know, we, we are currently forecasting uh, based on uh, the information we have from USPS about the delivery schedule. But, you know, they could be, you know, they certainly have the ability to pull it in. Okay, good. Because I hate to give up on something that is obviously so huge. And we'll be in the big numbers coming up. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Anders, for coming on the show. Always great to talk to you, sir. Thank you so much. Anders Gustafsson, CEO of Zebra Technologies, integral to the e-commerce and logistics world. And money's back at the break. It is time. It's time for the light and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skiing dies over the lightning round. Let's start with Neil in Virginia. Neil. Hey, what's going on, Jimmy? Chill. The chill is in the house. Hey, what's going on? I got a question about Alteryx. Uh well, Alteryx is the kind of stock that when the smoke comes out of this market and we go back and see what really works, it is better software than what we have. People don't like these stocks right now. They always come back because they've got great growth. So I'm going to say fine. Let's go to Sherry in, Mass- in Massachusetts. Sherry. Sherry. Hey, Jim. How's it going? It's going well, Sherry. Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy your show. I look forward to it every night. Oh, my thank you. Is, um, my question is, what are your thoughts on Invitae? Oh, very, very, very dicey. Uh, you know what? We have got so many fabulous companies that are much, much, uh, that have come down so much. I would rather just see it by Johnson Johnson, to be honest. Let's go to Robert in Arkansas. Robert. On my number. I'm on. Uh, I'm on hold to. Uh, I'm on hold for a TV show on the uh, business channel CNBC. You're hello. Hello. Who's that? Is it Robert's boy? Hello. Hello. 
right, I'm sorry, I can't understand. Uh, can I go to what? Who am I speaking to? Hello. Hey, who's on? This is Joe. Joe, yeah, give me a stock, Joe. Yes, I was uh, interested in uh, um, Delta Airlines. No, no, you're not interested in Delta Airlines. You're not going to be interested in any airline because a lot of these airlines are going to end up having to take money from the government. And by the time they do that, then you're going to be able to pay. You're going to be so deluded that we're not going to make any money. So I'm going to say stay on that one. Let's go to David in Florida. David. Booyah, Jim. First time, long time. Okay. I'm, I'm 24. I'm setting up a dividend re- reinvestment plan. I'm looking at the dividend king. Real, realty income. What do you no, think? No, no, no. You're 24. I want you to go for growth. Not in, You can plenty of time to get income. you got to go for companies that are down and out stock, but fantastic growth. You should look at a stock like Alteryx. That would be good. Or we had Okta on last night. That's a fantastic constellation brands. Be with something like that. Let's go to Bianca in California. Bianca. Hi, Jim. Um, this is Bianca from California. So Upwork's stock has plummeted shortly after IPO, even with having a yes. strong year-over-year revenue and gross margin growth. So with the unemployment rates climbing and people probably looking for alternative sources of income, do you think Upwork is a good long-term buy while its stock is down right well, now? That is an interesting idea. You know what? I am glad you brought that to my attention. Let me do some work on that. Uh, That's one that is new, and I don't know, and I want to give you a more considered answer. Let's go to Richie in Pennsylvania. Richie! Jim, how you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Trying to stay away from the COVID. Smart. My question is about Switch, S-W-C-H, with the... uh, the uh, things going on in the data center. Look, I, I think a data center and anything connected with it is fine. I was just, just digital realty. I think digital realty has a little more going for it. But you know what? You want to go with Switch? I'm going to bless it. Why? Because the data center is hotter than it's ever been because of the amazing amount of traffic that people who work at home are generating. Um, let, let's go to Lisa in Virginia. Lisa. Hi, Kramer. How did how? Thank you for everything you do on CNBC. My question is, what do you think of Nokia in its no, future? No, 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 no. I mean, look, if you want to go there, we had Marvell on the other day. They got a good deal with Nokia, uh, MRVL, but Nokia itself is not good enough for your money. And that, ladies and is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. When COVID-19 first came to America, the initial big outbreak wasn't in New York. It was in Washington, specifically Seattle. Since then, though, the state of Washington has done a terrific job of flattening the curve and containing the virus. However, to make that happen, they had to crush the local economy. Seattle was the first big city to go through this, and they've made real strides in coping with the damage. For example, you've got organizations like All In Seattle, which was designed to pool resources and quickly deploy them to where they're needed most. Tonight, we're taking a closer look with one, with one of All In Seattle's founding members. And I don't know if you remember, but Steve Singh, he, uh, he was the old CEO of Concur Technologies before he sold the business to SAP in 2014. He's now managing director of Madrona Venture Group. Right now, he's just a guy trying to lend a hand. Mr. Singh, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, it's so nice to see you again. 
All right, Steve, we're all having it happen now. I know that I've been speaking with the mayor of Summit, New Jersey, you know, town, uh, with people who are trying to figure it out. How do we help? How do we help? We don't know. We don't have any idea of how to help other people because we never thought we'd ever get to this. Tell us what you're doing. So, you know, Jim, as you said, look, the, Seattle is unfortunately at the front end of the pandemic here in the U.S. and front end, unfortunately, also of the economic downdraft uh, that uh, we're seeing from the, the pandemic. And so there's a group of uh, people that got together, uh, led by Raj Singh and Jill Singh, my, my uh, brother and sister-in-law, uh, Susie and T.J. McGill, and a whole bunch of others that said, we also have to be at the front end of how a community comes together to help its, its, uh, its people. And, and we obviously know that with time, the state and federal uh, uh, governments will come in and, and, and really provide the assistance that's needed. But unfortunately, a lot of these folks who lost their jobs at pubs and, and restaurants and sports arenas, local businesses, they've still got mortgages. They've still got to put food on the table and they need help today. And so what we did as a group is come together and said, can we raise actually our first goal was let's raise $10 million by uh, last Sunday. The group has actually raised over $30 million. And that money is being put to work in, actually, we vetted a bunch of charities that, uh, there's great charities all around the country, all around uh, the world, but we wanted to work with charities that could help today, that next minute, help feed people. Can you help with their housing? Can you help with healthcare? And so we, we were able to deploy these funds with charities that can help uh, our, our fellow community members uh, immediately. Now, uh, I've been working back and forth with, the, uh, with Treasury uh, on the the program that they just launched, which really does help small, medium-sized business, and they're dealing with a lot of community banks. Are the community banks helping out too? Yeah, they are, and obviously, there's a, this is all very fluid. And you're seeing some uh, banks look at at the situation and say, "We want to lend uh, to uh, folks that have actually borrowed from us before." Other banks that are taking, a, in my view, a much more community-oriented approach, which is we're going to help um, uh, businesses within our community. I happen to be on the board of Washington Federal Bank, uh, and Brent, their CEO, has taken a, a position that says, you know, whether you've uh, borrowed from us before or not, doesn't matter. We want to help our community because, I mean, you think about it. This is this is um, it's not just good for uh, for banks. It's good for our community, which means that everybody benefits over the long run. And right now, these small businesses need our help, not just to to, to make it from one day to the next. These are jobs that are fantastic jobs over the long run. I've heard some folks speak to the fact that, you know, venture-backed companies, small businesses, from days, small businesses employ about a third of the workforce. Right. You know, what I'm trying to uh, envision, this is what we're trying to figure in our town and so many others. Did you start with a website? Did you start with donations? Uh, do you have uh, – what is the a way that you motivate people to give to you rather than there are so many charities? I've given to Richard yeah. Sherman's charity up there. How do you kind of – how do you navigate? So this is uh, – it's it, this is very grassroots, right? It, I, it's myself and it's – or team. Look, we, by the way, we have uh, members of the business community as a part of this, right? right. So names you'd recognize like Satya and, and Bezos. Oh, but, okay. but the beauty of this is every leader at any size company has come together and said, we want to be a part of this. It's that one-on-one outreach from every one of the, the folks that are part of All in Seattle to other members of the community, asking them to, to chip in, asking them to go to their networks and ask those people to chip in and be a part of solving a problem. Well, I think what you're doing is terrific. It is uh, what we're all going to have to do because government can't solve everything anymore. It's not like the old days. 
It's people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, Jim. And look, and, and government will certainly step up and help, and right. we're, we're seeing that happen. But the things that we're doing in all in Seattle, this is going to happen in every community Everybody. in our country. Right? New York seeing this, Raleigh's going to see this. Every community, big or small, is going to have this challenge. I think the opportunity for all community leaders is to come together and say, our first job is to step up and help our people. I totally agree. I want to thank Steve Singh. Boy, we've missed you. Let me tell you something. Managing Director of Madrona Venture Group. And we wanted him on because we want to show you what the future is going to have to look like for your town. Mad Money's back after the break. Think V, okay? We're going down now. And I know that. And you know it. We all know it. We feel it in the stock market. But we don't know when science is going to cause this. And it is going to take science. The government's going to keep it in place if you're a small business person. But in order to get the customers back, you got to have the other side, too. I am a person who is an optimist, and I am confident in our scientists. I don't want to bet against America. So I'm not going to tell you to run for the hills. I am saying have a nice cash position, but I am saying it's also... Just don't just give up. That's never right. Like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. I'm trying to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see you Monday. A very special CNBC program, The Path Forward, Your Business with Marcus Lemonis, is up next. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.